Revelation 21, the new heaven and new earth. Part one. (laughs) I'm hoping two parts should do it, but I know there's a few scoffers back there that laughed at that suggestion, but we'll see. (laughs) Or of much experience one. (laughs) Revelation 21, verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he shall dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be among them. And he shall wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall no longer be any death, there shall no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of water of life without cost. He who overcomes shall inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But... For the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and liars, their part will be in the lake of the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, <clears throat> a very familiar phrase in uh, in Revelation here that and I saw, okay. And I saw this, as it's done so often in the past, it introduces the next chronological event. Okay, we've just come off, uh, like in 20, verse 11, where it says, And I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from these things according, which were written in the books according to their deeds. So right there, John saw the great white throne and him who sat on it, and from whose presence the earth, uh, <clears throat> the earth and heaven just fled away. And we saw that just just went out of existence. So well, how did it do that? Well, you read Second Peter three ten to thirteen. And it just it just consumed the whole thing's consumed by fire and gone, just total elimination. <clears throat> and then those the uh, we know at the great white throne judgment that's the judgment we've been there before um, of the unsaved from all ages they are judged according to their deeds, and then they are then sentenced to an eternal sentence in the lake of fire. Now, <clears throat> where it says, uh, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, again, that, we're not going to go back there, it's 2 Peter 3, 10, 13. The first heaven and earth being polluted by sin uh, will be totally removed from existence. Just Let's look at Isaiah 24. I mean, this is not a new concept to the Revelation. It's uh, It's been out there and referenced 
in both Old and New Testament. So the earth is annihilated, it's completely gone? Yes. Or is it just the surface of the... It's the entire... Well, actually, it's the, it's the heaven and earth that are going to actually be eliminated. But it's the uh, passage in Second Peter is referring primarily to the, to the planet earth. But it's all going to go. It's all going to go because the new heaven... This is like the new, the new, the word new here Greek speaks of something new and different, not the same thing re- refurbished. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Isaiah 24, verse 5 and 6 says, The earth is also polluted by its inhabitants, for they transgressed laws, viola- violated statutes, broke the everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse devours the earth, and those who live in it are held guilty. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few men are left. That's looking way ahead. And who are the ones that left? Those whose names were found in the book of life. We already saw that in the, in the judgments. And then look at Luke 21. Jesus is speaking there. <clears throat> Luke 21, which is... Uh, Luke's rendering of the olive of the uh, yeah the Olivet discourse, where he speaks about where he speaks about his coming. In verse thirty-three, he said, uh, "Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away." So he's got to be. Ref- there's only one thing he'd be referring to, is that heaven and earth, as it stands now, and including the somewhat improved conditions on the earth during the millennium, but it's all going to go because it's all tainted with sin. And uh, it's going to go, and it will be totally replaced with the new heaven and earth. Okay, because I know it might help a little bit, and again, it's not a major issue in terms of one's salvation, but it's just nice to be able to keep these things straight, especially when you read the Old Testament um, <clears throat> passages about future things. And a lot of people get this messed up because it is difficult to understand. And I think one of the big difficulties is there is really so much written about future things. <laughs> you know, uh, there's there's a lot and, and, it, and it pops up in a lot of different places. And so that that's <clears throat> and so people read a verse about. Uh, and most of those Old Testament passages are referring to the what we see in Revelation as the millennial kingdom. And then some will apply that to like the new heaven and new earth, and it, and it just doesn't. There's Really, there's very few passages on the actual new heaven and new earth. The biggest one you're going to find is right here in Revelation. Um, there's, there's mentions of it, but uh, the best description you're going to get of it is right here. And again, it's put in chronological order. Too, which makes it really handy. All right, so just just kind of just follow the flow, and let's face it: there's going to be passages in the Old Testament that we're just not sure about, and you know what? That's okay. You know, we don't. I don't think God expects us to to know every single verse from Genesis through Revelation perfectly and exactly. Okay. Um, but <clears throat> start with the gospel. That's where you want to start. <laughs> Get that one down and then move on from there. Okay. 
And then all the ungodly, we've already seen this, all the ungodly from all ages will also be gone. Revelation 20, 15, we've already, we've already seen that. Now, and it goes on to say, no longer <clears throat> any sea. <clears throat> I thought that was an interesting, no longer any sea. And the sea is the first of seven things that will not exist in the new earth. Okay, <clears throat> the other six are death, mourning, crying, and pain, which are all in verse 4. We'll talk about that when we get there. And then in chapter 22, 3, the curse is gone. That's a good thing. Um, and also there'll be no more night in 22, 5, which uh, when we get there, hopefully next week, it'll be, um, <clears throat> we'll know why there too, because the Father, the Son, will be light. The, you can put it this way, the Shekinah glory is going to be what lights up the new heaven and new earth. There'll be no more night. Okay, no more night. And night is like darkness, is often, you know, equated with evil, you know, even though there's nothing evil of night in and of itself, but it's used metaphorically that way in Scripture a lot. <clears throat> okay, and um, I put a little note, the sea is numbered with six other things having negative and sinful connotations. The open, there should be C, <laughs> has been used in Scripture to describe evil, but very rarely, though. You know, and personally, um, <clears throat> I, I've always liked the sea myself and the oceans. You know, I, I like the food that comes out of it. <laughs> I'm, you know, I mean... I even like I even like barracuda. Most people don't touch it. I even like barracuda. I like fish that comes out of the sea. <laughs> you know? Um, <clears throat> but anyway, it's in, there's some examples there that... Um, well, well, remember Daniel 7 where the nations came up out of the sea? And let's look at Revelation 13. That's a close one. So it saved us some time. Revelation 13, 1. And he stood on the sand of the seashore or the stand of the sea, in 13.1. And I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads, and on his horn were ten diadems, and on his head were blasphemous names. Well, this is the, this is the Antichrist, and he came up out of the sea, although I think the sea is representative of the masses of humanity. But, I mean, you look around, there's not a lot of negativity about the ocean itself and the seas. Now, one thing I thought about it, that that came to my mind is that the oceans of the world uh, have also served as barriers separating people and makes it more difficult to get from this country to that country if there's an ocean in the way. Um, <clears throat> that has obviously been conquered now somewhat, but it's still up there. And I kind of it made me think of Babel, the you know the when the uh, the uh, the Lord confused the languages to separate people and moved them out and they wandered all over the place and then the seas kind of helped them stay separate to a certain degree because remember at Babel they joined together to uh, form a basically a one world false religious system and God says uh, no no you're not going to do that so pink confused the languages and away they went okay so and that's the only negative thing I can I can see about the sea, you know. Um, and when we talk about the new heaven and new earth, there'll be no need for people to be separated because every 100% of the population are going to be saved people. 
saved people that will not sin at all. I mean, we were totally redeemed. Totally redeemed. The sanctification process, complete. <laughs> I mean, that's a great thing. And and I look at that more than anything else, just for a lack of a... Under, makes more sense to me to look at the, the lack of an ocean, and we won't be needing it for food. Um, besides, who knows? You know, I mean, it'll be a miraculous time, too. Um, it, you know, you could look at there and say, oh, for, what's for dinner tonight? And the Lord goes, salmon. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and for you scoffers of old, barracuda. <laughs> I, I don't know, you know, but it's going to be a, a tremendously unique period of time, that's for sure. Okay, now enough of this tomfoolery. Now we're going to get to chapter verse 2 about the New Jerusalem. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from, from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. A lot of familiar terms there. Holy city. Now Jerusalem has historically been called holy quite frankly, because it was set apart for God's purposes. That was God's city. Um, unfortunately, as we look through the Old Testament historical records, the city of God has been, on a number of occasions, defiled and brought low. Uh, Isn't that because of the, the sinning of the... Because, the sin, because of the sinful nation. Brought it down. I mean, when you have... Um, in Isaiah, passages, um, I believe it's Isaiah, uh, where he, talking about Jerusalem, he compared it to Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, that's, that's not good. I mean, you've come way down. You've come way down. You've come down to the level of, I hate to say it, our government. Which is another pathetic thought, but true. Look at look at Daniel nine twenty four. That's just I just want to get that concept going here a little bit on it. Just mention a, a, a small bit. Daniel nine twenty four. Here we are again in that one of the ex- most important passages of scripture in understanding the flow of uh, prophetic history 924 says 70 weeks have been determined for your people and your holy city there it is to finish the transgressions to make an end of sin to make atonement for iniquity to bring in everlasting righteousness and the new heaven and new earth is what's actually going to bring in ever the final form of the everlasting right that's when it'll be actually seen it'll all come to pass at that point to to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy place or the most holy but again you get in that passage and it's it's talking about uh, <clears throat> what's going on and what will be the end result of those 70 weeks, because at the very end of the 70 weeks, verse 27, um, <clears throat> and he will make a firm covenant with many for one week. That's talking about the Antichrist. That's that 70th week. And as we've been in our study just recently, that 70th week, 
is the tribulation period, which rolls into the millennium, which, when it ends, the new heaven and new earth will be the next big, well, the millennium, the great white throne judgment, destruction of the earth, new heaven, new earth. And so by the time, again, we get to the new heaven and new earth, all sin has been devoured. And we also saw in past passages that even death and the grave were tossed into the lake of fire, signifying they're gone. They're gone, too. And uh, and we're going to see in verse 4 here in a minute uh, that uh, it'll be talked about again as being done away with. And then Matthew, uh, <clears throat> let's look at Matthew 4 and 27, just again, just see it from both both sides here of the spectrum. Matthew 4, 5. That shows you how, then the devil took him, now this is the temptation, then the devil took him, that's Christ, into the holy city, and he had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. Yeah. Which kind of shows you how crass the devil is. I mean, that guy, <laughs> that's pretty, that's, that's pretty crass. Um, <clears throat> I find it interesting, the devil did that, and his demons what did they just say? They were kind of like, hey, you know, they were fearful of him. But the devil, he's pretty crass, pretty crass. Uh, Matthew 27, while we're in Matthew, 27.53. Now, this is speaking about the crucifixion. This is in... Um, Remember when they had the earthquake and tombs were broken up, and you know, were, were opened? I'll pick it up in verse 52. And many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, and coming out of the tombs, and this is an important little point here, after his resurrection. Now the tombs were opened by that earthquake, but nobody came out until after his resurrection. See that? Don't miss that. That's an important little phrase in there. Remember, Christ is the first fruits of the resurrection. See that? They, um, they, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. And, and the scripture is silent as to what happened to them from that point on. I have my personal feeling about it. I feel they were probably caught up into heaven. Because... They're called many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. So a lot of people saw them and a lot of people knew who they were. And they're identified as saints. I'm, that's all I can say for sure. <laughs> that's all I can say for sure. It's it's pure guesswork as to what happened. They, they, they crawl back into the tombs, go back to sleep. I, I, well, you see what I'm saying? Did they live for a while, then die again, I, like Lazarus? But this, I think, is different than Lazarus. But anyway, one of those things that will be answered up there. <laughs> okay. And again, that's okay, too. 
But what we don't want to do is uh, kind of like look in the white spaces between the word and try to make up our own little story as to what went on. That's uh, please, we don't need that. We we don't need any more denominations. We've got plenty. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just and that's how the, that's how these kind of things start. Somebody comes up and like, oh, it's, it's just like ay ay ay. So anyway. All right, so Jerusalem, historically called the Torah, and then coming back to 21, I like this, where it talks about it coming down. Where does this new Jerusalem come from? Well, number one, it comes down out of heaven from God. Two important points. Out of heaven, that's not the part of heaven that was destroyed. That's the heaven where God lives, (laughs) okay, where God is. Okay, that's beyond our universe. And so... um, So everything defiled is out of existence, and here comes this new Jerusalem. Yes? Was it, uh, talk of, was it Peter talk about the third heaven? No, it was Paul. Oh, was it Paul? Yeah. So it's wild. It's like our atmosphere, maybe where, our, where we can see from our telescopes, and then beyond that is where God is. I don't know. Yeah, I would, I would think God is beyond... What, we, what our telescopes can't even reach. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I have to laugh sometimes at our, our scientists. They do some magnificent things, <coughs> and then they'll turn around and say something extremely stupid, like, <laughs> you know, they don't, you know that men can have babies. Shut up. <laughs> you know, just, just stop it. <laughs> just stop it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and they wonder why people are doubting everyone these days. You know. Yeah. Mercy sakes. <laughs> now, again, this this new heaven and new earth is coming down out of heaven, or this new Jerusalem, out of heaven from God. Again, totally new and different. Nothing in the Jerusalem that has ever existed is coming down with it. This is totally brand new. Totally brand new. And we'll see next week, uh, Lord willing, the dimensions of this new Jerusalem. Okay, and we'll get a glimpse of what it's going to look like, and it's not going to look anything like the old one. This this new one's going to be made of precious stones and gold and pearls and all kinds of neat things like that. Okay, and one again, it's it's a description so fantastic, you're going to have to really exercise some strong imagination to almost try to envision this, it, it, the the majesty of this new city. But then, I figure the majesty of this. New Jerusalem, where no sin exists, is going to have to try to some way keep up with the majesty of God. And only God can create such a thing. And that's what's going to come down. It's coming down from God. And I think it's going to reflect His majesty. So I think I expect something extremely spectacular. And that's the description we're going to get when we read this something extremely spectacular. Truly is. And we get to live there. <laughs> and that speaking of that, heaven is made ready as a bride. Um, you know the term bride, uh, very common usage in the in the Old and New Testament. Bride is uh, um, is used of saved Israel. In Isaiah, let's look, let's pop back to Isaiah. It's something everybody uh, knows about. As I remember, you had uh, a lesson on the wedding feast at Cana. Yeah. 
I mean, wedding feasts were big deals back then. They're big deals now. We just came from one. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, uh, and some people go all out. Some people actually go crazy with it. But um, um, thankfully, they didn't when we went to. Um, <clears throat> 6110, Isaiah. I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with with a garland and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. Okay, and so it, um, again, it's talking about in, in Isaiah 62, 5, it says, for as a young man marries a virgin, so your sons will marry you. And as, a, as, a, as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so God will rejoice over you. And again, the likens the nation, the saved nation, to a virgin bride. Okay? Sinless. And decked, all decked out in her bridal gown, her bridal clothes, whatever, you know. And so again, it was a big thing. Um <clears throat> And it's also use of the church. We see all that in Revelation uh, 19, 7 through 14. Revelation 19, beginning verse 7. Let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. And it was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. And again, white linen, purity, the equation is there. The, the uh, <clears throat> Matter of fact, that's the, the white bridal gown suggests the same thing. And he said to me, right, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are true words of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said to me, do not do that. For I'm your fellow servant of yours and your brethren who hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now we need to move in a little bit here to the second coming. Okay. um, And I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. And he who sat upon it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and wages war. And his eyes are, are a flame of fire. And upon his head are many diadems. And he has name written upon him which no one... Except himself, no one knows except himself, and he is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. And I believe that again refers back to those at the marriage supper after dinner. Let's go for a ride. <laughs> well. <laughs> I mean, it's the next event, and it just keeps moving, moving through. And then you just keep, you just keep following through the, you keep following through verse, through 19, and you get to verse 20, you've got the, 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 the doom of the false prophet, the beast and the false prophet. They're, uh, they're tossed into the lake of fire. 20, chapter 20, Satan is, is confined for a thousand years. And then we, in that same chapter 20, the thousand years happen. And then after the thousand years, Satan is tossed into the lake of fire. And then here we have the 2011. We've got the great white throne, the, uh, the discussion of the removal of the, the old heaven and the earth. 
Um, and that verse 14 says, death and Hades were thrown in like a fire. This is the second death. And then here we are now in 21, the new heaven and new earth. I mean, it's just, it just all right. It's all right there. It's all right. It's not as difficult as people make it out sometimes. I mean, it's, I think it's the way they just like, they, I don't know, they just make it confusing. <laughs> it's like it's not that, you know. I think the most confusing part about this, again, that there's so much about it in Scripture that people just pile stuff on without flowing down and try to piece it together. I mean, it, 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 it's nuts. And then the bride in this passage, I, ref, I feel, refers to the saved from all time because we've now moved, we've, we're now in the new heaven and new earth. That's the discussion here in the Scripture. So I believe it refers to all the saved of all time. You know, this moment, I believe, is spoken of in 1 Corinthians 15, 28. Let's look there. That's is a key passage. <clears throat> Again, remember, 1 Corinthians 15, that really great resurrection chapter of Scripture. Uh, I mean, if you want to understand a lot about the resurrection, especially the importance of the resurrection... Get to know chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. Very important chapter. In 1528, it says, And when all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself also we projected to the one who subjected all things to him, that God may be all in all. We We are going to experience all of that and see how that actually does come together, I believe it happens right here. We're just all things come in. in the, and now we're out there now what is uh, often called the, you know, the uh, eternal phase of life. It's, again, we're out in now eternity future. <laughs> I like to go, there's, again, this is that new heaven, new earth, and then just all this stuff comes to pass. And everything we, the scripture has been talking about ever since the Genesis 3, ever since the fall, uh, to right here is now it's all culminating where everything comes together and under the rule of God and all people from all times that are his are there and everything is the ultimate plan of God comes to fruition right here so I mean it's just <clears throat> That's hard to, uh, it is it, it, it is Yeah, well, we we can see why in Philippians, right? It's a willful substance, but it's going to be an interesting time. It, it, it's as a matter of fact, we actually may see the Godhead in the person of Christ. So wait till we get there. There's a lot of subtopics that can be dealt with about about this that I hope we will deal with because my plan, unless something comes up to dash my plans, uh, <laughs> is from here. I want to go through and t- uh, do a, and you can tell folks that you know that might want this, I'd like to go through Bible, basic Christian doctrine, and more than just basic uh, teaching. We're going to be on, go beyond see spot run. We're going to have spot do a few things, <laughs> you know. <clears throat> and uh, we'll start with the Bible and deal with important topics like inerrancy. And so forth. What does that mean? Canonicity. Ooh, 
it's important. <laughs> you know, the, the canonicity answers the question, why these 66 books? Why not 67? Why not 65? What's, what's the matter with the Apocrypha? Catholics like it. Okay, well, we'll see why. <laughs> what about those lost books? <laughs> I say, well, what about them? Okay, now, 21 verse 3 and 4, a little bit off topic here, but uh, that's just a preview of coming attractions. <clears throat> now, the blessed reality of the new heaven and new earth, uh, chapter 20, verses 3 and 4, and I heard a loud voice <clears throat> from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he shall dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be among them. God himself shall be among them. He shall wipe, he, that would have to refer to God, I think, in the context here, he shall wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall no longer be any death, no longer any mourning, or crying, or pain. The first things have passed away. <clears throat> now, the loud voice, we've seen that before. We won't turn there to these passages, but uh, the loud voice from heaven, we see that throughout Revelation where um, an angel is making another very important announcement. Um, <clears throat> again, I gave some examples. Revelation 14, there's three of them. Revelation 19, 17, um, which is the announcement, I saw an angel standing in the sun with a loud voice crying to the birds, hey, come on. Go ahead and pick the bones of the dead. That's kind of gross, but hey, it's there. It's true. It's loud. <laughs> and again, loud, I think, emphasizing nobody misses it. We saw that in Revelation, how a lot of these things are announced to the point that nobody can miss it. You know, they're willfully ignoring. You know, like I missed the message about the party yesterday, but <laughs> <laughs> actually I did miss it. Anyway. They say it was written, but I, did. I missed it. Okay, <clears throat> and then that phrase, the tabernacle of God is among men. Prior to this, um, the saved were taken up to him. He's now coming down to be with us in that new heaven and new earth because we're all going to be together in that new heaven and new earth. You can see, you know, it makes sense why, because we've seen like... Um, <clears throat> Like the, the John 14 and 1 Thessalonians, which uh, John 14 alludes to it, 1 Thessalonians actually speaks of the rapture of the church where we're, we, we're taken up, meet him in the air. Um, <clears throat> well, see, we, we are taken up out of this sinful earth to go with him. Well, when he comes down, there is no sinful earth. It's all brand new, spanking new. So he's coming down and all the people will actually be coming with him. Right, because the old stuff's gone. We got to be somewhere. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> no, it, it's it's going to be amazing. Now, this is a divine promise of God, and the hope of all believers. It goes. This thing goes way back to Leviticus. This is. The, let's look at Leviticus. It, I mean, a book we don't spend a lot of time in, but the more I read it. the more I appreciate it's, it's actually its importance. Um, <clears throat> Leviticus 26, verses 11 and 12 says, Moreover, I will make my dwelling among you, and my soul will not reject you. I will also walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people. 
Man, that's looking way forward from Leviticus. I mean, that's looking, I mean, past our time here and even past the millennium. Okay? Um, And then there's Zechariah. For the sake of time, let's just move all the way forward to 2 Corinthians. Um, 2 Corinthians 6.16. Or what agreement has the temple of God? Again, this is that passage about that we should uh, not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Okay, um, and in and in the and in, and part of that discussion, Paul brings this up. Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? Obvious answer: None. There's no agreement. They're they're not compatible at all. For we are the temple of the living God, just as God said, "I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God." and they shall be my people. Sounds a lot like Leviticus, doesn't it? And other passages that speak, that say similar things, they're they're saying the same thing in in similar ways. And this is, again, this is what we, the church, are looking for, that one day, you know, we know we are God's people, but then the fact that we will literally and physically walk with God. Imagine that. You know? Well, in my current condition, I would have a hard time keeping up, I'll tell you that. <laughs> just can't go just can't go ripping up calf muscles and expect to go Gary what I won't be leaping tall buildings with a single bound anytime soon. <laughs> And we all got to love verse 4 of Revelation 21. He shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. Everything, anything and everything that would ever cause a tear to come to any human being's eyes will not be around. It won't be there. There'll be no cause for tears because there'll be nothing to bring it about. I mean, there'll be no longer any death. Hey, we weep, we even... Weep and, and no death, and there should be no longer any mourning, um, as in similar to crying or crying. Uh, you know, even we as believers mourn and even weep at the death of a fellow believer. Why? Not because of where they're going, because we're going to miss them. But see, that stuff is gone. All that is gone. You know, I mean, and it's even worse when we have loved ones that aren't of the faith. That's tough. That's even tougher. Um, But, you know, it's just, that's part of the human emotional makeup, which is also part of God's creation, and there's no shame in that. Okay? Um, And then, I mean, you just just look at the things, they've all all gone away. Revelation 20, 11, 15, they've all passed out of the scene. We saw in 15... You know, verse 14, death and Hades were thrown in the lake of fire. Why? Because they're, not, they're no longer needed. Nobody's going to die. I mean, when you get to the new heaven, new earth, that's it. That is our eternal destination. That's where we're, God has planned us to spend eternity, with him in the new heaven and new earth. The new Jerusalem being its capital. I, I mean, that's, that is our destiny based upon God's sovereign plan. I mean... It's, and and that's, a, that's a blessing to know, especially as you see 
even this once great nation deteriorating right in front of our eyes, morally deteriorating. And you know, the physical deterioration will soon follow. It always does. History, the history books are full of it. Just full of that information. Okay. Five to twenty one five to six. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new, and he said, Right, for these words are faithful and true. He said to me, It is done, and I'm gonna stop right there. I'm making all things new. Again, not merely a refurbishing, not an upgrade. These are brand spanking new. Never seen before. The old stuff is totally gone. This is all new. These words are faithful and true. Again, that's like that's like God's stamp is of guarantee. He says, These are true. They will this is my word. I am faithful and true. Therefore, these things will come to pass. And that's God saying, You've got my word on it. You've got my word on it. And then verse six, where it says, It is done, could be translated, they are done. And I believe these words mark right here. They mark the end, the closing, if you will, of redemptive history. Now, we're going to get more description of it in, in Revelation, but um, <clears throat> it's it. It's done. It's done. When, when the new heaven and new earth come down and we're in it, it's it. It's done. Complete. It's complete. Now, we're going to get more information about that, but it's, it's complete. And then look at, we'll go into 6b through 7. He goes on to say, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to, I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of water of life without cost. He who overcomes shall inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Well, wait a minute. I thought it was all done. Well, remember, this book was written approximately 95, 96 A.D., somewhere in there, plus or minus. Okay? This book, again, is, is written in a time just like our time, well, this stuff hasn't come to pass yet. And so what is this? This is like, I, I, this is a, an invitation. This is God's invitation. He's going to give another invitation later on in, in this chapter. God's invitation. Remember, people are reading this that have a decision to make. People will hear things taught out of this book in our lifetime, in the lifetime of John and ours as well, that need to make a decision based upon what is being taught here. You know, say, hey, you know, you want to, you want to, you want to be in this new heaven, new earth. <laughs> There's a decision that needs to be made, and this is what this is what's going to. This is, again, the invitation. Um, I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of water of life with, check this, without cost. Again, right back. We are justification by what? Faith. Salvation is by faith. Not by works. It is a gift of God. Okay? I, I, I mean, again, that so consistent once again. But again, that invitation. Like, hey, you people that read this, if you have not come to this point, he's saying, you need to get there. You need to get there. And just know that the offer is there. The offer is there. It's just like when Jesus was on earth, you know, in his ministry. Come unto me, all the labor, and I'll give you rest. Just Come. Come. This is, again, invitation. They're all over Scripture. These invitations are are everywhere. Um, And then it says, verse 7, He who overcomes, 
Again, that refers to those that actually exercise that faith. You overcome, you're in. And then, as often too, we'll finish right here, take maybe one minute, God's warning gives an invitation followed up by a warning. But for the cowardly and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers, and we'll deal with that word later at another time, and idolaters and and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death, which has already been talking about. So again, those that believe, you'll enjoy the new heaven and earth for eternity. Those that reject, your end is the lake of fire. And it describes those that reject by the deeds that they put forth. They, the, 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 those that reject the gospel, they, they re, they're, it's reflected in their deeds. They just, they're doing their own thing. They're doing their own thing. I mean, First Corinthians six nine. We'll be look. It's all look. I want to compare what we just read with twenty two twelve to seventeen, and we'll just quit right there, because we'll be back in this again when we get to. But twenty two twelve to seventeen, which isn't really planned, which isn't part of our eschatology study, but it's the same idea as we just saw. Twenty two twelve. Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. Because again. Again, a warning, an invitation. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter into the gates, into the city. And once again, outside are dogs and sorcerers and the immoral persons and murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices lying. Same warning again. Hey, you will not be inside this city. You're outside. And where's outside? Lake of Fire. (laughs) There is no, like, netherland or nether regions out there. It's the, other, the only outside of this new heavenly earth is the lake of fire. It's the only other option for eternity. And it goes on, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. <clears throat> when you get in, who is that uh, I, Jesus? I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright morning star. And then here's another invitation. And the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, and the bride, that's the church, say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Hmm. Kind of like the one that hears an example. It's interesting. And let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. You know, kind of reminds me of the, the Samaritan woman at the well. I give you life that's eternal, eternal life. Jesus is the bread of life, and he offers that water that you drink this, spiritually speaking, you'll never thirst again. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for your word. Most of all, thank you for your grace that has brought us into your kingdom. And then we have these magnificent things to look forward to. But in the meantime, may we be able servants and ambassadors of you here on this earth. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.